People First companies understand that employees are their most valuable asset. These forward-thinking companies treat all of their people practices, especially hiring, as strategic rather than administrative functions. I'm Donald Knight, Chief People Officer at Greenhouse, and this is People First, a podcast celebrating the work of leaders dedicated to building people-first cultures. Today, I'm talking with Kanisha Barti, Senior Vice President of People and Culture at SoundExchange, and Jamie Adasi, Head of Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Allyship at Greenhouse. In this episode, we will go over the leading indicators of being people-first and the importance of inclusive hiring practices. We'll also discuss how being people-first can drive business outcomes. Please welcome Kanisha Barti and Jamie Adasi. I'm super excited to see both of you. I would like for you to tell the audience, the listeners, your name, what you do, and uh, what ice cream flavor best describes who you are. Oh, not our favorite ice cream That's flavor? Hard. We can One do that, that too. describes us? Okay. We can do that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Are they not the same? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> well, my name is Kenesha Barty. I'm the Senior Vice President of People and Culture at Sound Exchange. I've been there since November of last year. And my favorite ice cream is cookies and cream. Nice. I like to keep it simple with a little bit of chocolate. So that's my favorite ice cream. The ice cream that best describes me, I would say rainbow sherbet. Mm, why is that? Well, it's because it's a, sometimes it's a little sweet. Sometimes it's a little tangy. I come in all flavors, right? You'll get, sometimes you'll get smiling Kanisha. Sometimes you'll get stern Kanisha, um, but you'll always get fair Kanisha. So rainbow sherbet. Love it. That's perfect. All flavors. (laughs) All flavors. Much appreciated. (laughs) So me, I'm Jamie Adasi. I am our head of inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship, or what we call IDEA at Greenhouse. Been in the DEI field for about 14 years. I get to manage a nice small team who is across our U.S. and EMEA. And just making a lot of great change happen at Greenhouse. So grateful to be here. And my favorite, or actually the ice cream flavor that best describes me, is probably going to be like a green tea situation, which I don't actually often eat. But when I think about who I am as a person, especially in the work that I get to do, I, I try to be as like chill, unassuming as possible so I can come in and create a lot of change. So green tea is my, my go-to. Unassuming. I like mm-hmm. that. Green tea is amazing. I'm going to tell y'all, my name is Donald Knight. Y'all already know who I am. I'm so glad that both of y'all said yes to be on the podcast. So this is going to be pretty cool because this is the first time that 100% of the podcast is people of color. I'm super excited about that. Yes. Um, We do believe inclusion happens when diversity, equity, and allyship are present. And as two phenomenal women leaders... I was just super excited to be able to talk to you because I feel like so often women and then women of color in the business are often overlooked and their voice is not often heard. So, Kanisha, when you think about being people first, what does that even mean to you? You know, when I hear people first, and I've heard it many times in my career, what I started to think about is which people are we talking about, right? So, situationally, in a human resources meeting, You're thinking about the employees, right? But in a people and culture team, you can't just think about the employees, right? You have to also consider who are the people that the company serve, whether it be a customer-based company, a service-based company, a product-based company, who is the end user of what we're doing? 
we have to consider them in our people first approach. So when I think of people first, I want to make sure that not only our internal employees are getting what they need, but that also our internal values match our external values. And that's how we make sure we have a people first culture. That's awesome. So you're using that to like hold yourself accountable. For sure. I've also used that in my career to choose companies to work for. Oh, say that again so they Mm -hmm. hear you in the back. I have absolutely used (laughs) it to choose companies I work for. When I start to learn how our internal values resonate within the employee base and externally, I have to make sure that sits well with me um, for where I want my career to go, right? And if that ever becomes out of balance, I start to consider, is that the right place for me? And because I do that personally, I know our other employees do that as well. So when I am, you know, sitting in a leadership seat within people and culture, I want to make sure that our employees have a way to express their voice, express their opinion, have a way to understand how their careers can progress within an organization and feel comfortable where they work. And it's okay sometimes if you don't. We'll help you be comfortable while you're there. But if it's also your decision to exit, we want to make sure that we've done everything we could to make this the best place for you or help you exit. It's interesting you said that you will choose where you park your time, talent, and treasure based on if these companies are living up to your values. So is it safe to say that every employer is not worthy of your employment? Absolutely. Mm. Mm. That's a bar. Preach. And your last name is Barty, so I see what you were doing there. I see what you did there. Jamie, how do you, how do you define people first? Yeah, I think really similarly to Kanisha, when I think about people first companies, I think about the social impact we're trying to have. And when you think about Greenhouse's mission, it's literally all about making companies great at hiring. And you said that point about like, but for who, right? So for me, it's for all people versus just for a selective few. And so when I think about people first companies, one of the things that comes to mind actually is something I learned in behavioral healthcare, human-centered design. You talk about the end user being in your mind. So when I'm creating policies, programs, when we're creating our product, everything that we're doing, our services internally, we really should have our end user in mind. And at Greenhouse, that actually includes, as you can imagine, our 7,500 customers. It includes our amazing and talented employees internally. It includes the millions of people who use Greenhouse to apply for jobs and also our investors as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different kind of pockets and people that we think about as we're creating our business and our strategy. So that's one thing I would say. And to your point, you can't really, I think, be a successful company today if you don't have people at the center of your work. And that's for many reasons I'm sure we'll get into. But you really have to make sure that both financial success and the success of your people as well are equally important. And that's something we're doing, really, I think, really well at Greenhouse. Yeah. Jamie, you said you had 14 years in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. You now lead a team focused on inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship. For those folks that are listening, they're, they're trying to figure out, like, what are leading indicators if a company is even people that's first in the first place? If they don't want to fall into the trap that Kanisha yes. was talking about around getting into an employer truly is not worthy of your employment, yes. what are some indicators that you've seen either yeah. throughout your career or how you teach folks are underneath your leadership mm-hmm. to be able to spot which places they should yeah. and should not go? There's a couple of things I'll talk about here. One will be focus on idea or DEI for sure. Another one's going to be around, you know, creating the space for psychological safety, as we call it. The third is also, I think, going to be around approachability of leadership in general at the company. So when I think about 
our focus on idea. I know I'm a little biased, clearly, but the research does show this. There's a Glassdoor study that showed 76% of current employees and folks, job applicants who are seeking jobs, right, are looking to see, is a company actually investing in diversity in not only the diversity of the tools, et cetera, but the company itself as well. And people, like you said, Kanisha, will literally either, if they're in a place that's not investing in DEI, they will exit, find a way out. Or if, if they're looking at a job offer opportunity, they're looking around, is this company really serious about this? Especially if you're coming from an underrepresented background. So I think just in general, like that piece is critical. If you want to be successful and retain folks in today's world, you have to be invested in idea. The second one I was talking about earlier was around kind of psychological safety which at Greenhouse we talk about bravery, kind of creating those brave spaces. And what's important about that, there's another study done. McKinsey talked about about 90% of U.S. respondents to one of their surveys talked about psychological safety being critical to being at an organization and the success of an organization. That's folks who work at a, you know, at a company. So you have to invest in a place where people feel like, one, I can hopefully fail forward a little bit, but really it's about, can I take risks without the fear of retaliation? You know, and so creating that space, people, you know, people talk. I tell people about Greenhouse all the time. They're like, that place sounds different. I'm like, it is for many reasons. The last one I was talking about is approachability of leadership. This does not mean that you should be able to like just drop, you know, 30 minutes on a CEO's calendar. Not saying that, especially as you scale, it does not work. But, you know, is your leadership open to listening to feedback? Are they open to hearing voices that are historically, you know, underestimated, underrepresented, et cetera, in their organization to create real change? Those are three, I think, pretty critical leading indicators that folks are looking for when they're either applying to jobs or, again, if they're choosing to stay at a company long term. So those are things that I would talk about. That's amazing. I, 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 I was just with one of our customers earlier this morning. There's a guy named Nico. Shout outs to Nico. He asked that exact question around, like, how do you create this environment where people feel comfortable failing? Yes. You're spot on. Like one of those indicators you'll be able to find out is if the culture even allows people to test that part, that's or it. even lead with curiosity. If you're going to fail, fail fast. But creating an opportunity for the environment for people to fail, I think, is an important one. Kanisha, your company focuses on creatives. Yes. So many people may not know what Sound Exchange is. So tell them what Sound Exchange is and tell them, like, how are you making sure that you're putting people first when it comes to creatives? Because that's your target demographic that you're essentially advocating for, right? So our mission at Sound Exchange is powering the future of music, right? And we can't have a future of music without the creators that create the music. We can't help the creators if we don't have sound internal processes, sound internal uh, inclusion methodology, so on and so forth. So what we do at Sound Exchange to advocate for the creators is we lobby for legislation, um, on the Hill, right? We pay royalties to artists on non-interactive streaming platforms. So that's platforms like Music Choice, Sirius XM, Pandora. Uh, and so what many people don't know is that artists don't get paid from AM, FM radio. So mm. we have really um, been a catalyst for change in the area of getting paid for the work that you do and paid for your artistry because for the past 20 years um, that streaming has been a big deal. Artists have been getting paid for those streams, but they aren't getting paid from AMFM. Mm. And so that has increased the fairness quotient, right, uh, for our creative talent within the United States and globally. And we are, you know, actively 
uh, working with Congress on passing AMFA, which is the AMFM Fairness Act, to try to make sure that creatives do get paid from AMFM radio. Mm. Uh, it's an upward climb, but advocacy is really the source of what we do at Sound Exchange in addition to, to paying our creators. I did not know that artists do not get paid for AM and FM radio. I will say that um, as streaming has grown in popularity, more than uh, 84% of U.S. revenues come from streaming service. So it's growing and AM, FM is becoming less of a priority for uh, some of our newer creators. But, you know, it's still a big deal, right, to make sure that from a fairness perspective, when your songs are played or if you're a comedian and you're getting played on the radio, clips of your sound bites, you should be, you know, rewarded for that. And so we definitely continue to advocate. Yeah, that's amazing. Like right now, there's so many conversations focused on pay transparency. Yep. And so many people thought it was just the importance of just disclosing compensation ranges but the people who were the earliest advocates for pay transparency, it actually started because it was trying to create an equal playing field between gender equality when it came to pay. Because the studies showed that women would be less likely to advocate for themselves when it comes to negotiating on the front end. In addition to that, they were also the ones that were most marginalized when it came to uh, not being promoted, not getting the same types of salary bumps. And it sounds like the same way that pay transparency laws, it's equaling the paying field for women and so many others that may have been marginalized when it came to compensation. Sound Exchange is doing the same thing for the creative. And, the you know, I'll just say the data doesn't know what gender you are, what ethnicity you are, what race you are. If you're streaming, you're getting paid. Right. Right. And that really bodes well for, for the future of music. Totally agree. How do you hire people for that? Right. Like. Clearly, advocacy is at the center, right, of what you all are doing. And you said you have to make sure you have sound internal methodologies when it comes to inclusion and making sure you have sound processes. I love the whole play on sound, too. But, like, how do you, how do you hire for that? Because, like, like, Greenhouse, we believe hiring is essential and critical to business success. So, like, how do you hire for that? How do you ensure that your hiring process is, is solid from that perspective? Right. So, we really start with the business owner, right? We want to make sure that they are very clear on what they expect out of the role, right? And so we start there with making sure that they have great interview questions that get to the heart of what the role expectations are. Um, we want to make sure that a DEI is infused in the interview process, right? Not only from external candidate perspective, but also from who's on the interview panel. Mm. We want to make sure that we aren't only looking for someone that can hit goals. We want to make sure that they also uphold the values of Sound Exchange, that they've demonstrated that in some way. Having a well-rounded process that is seamless, not only for the candidate and for our staff, is very important. Yeah. You said representation on the interview panel as well. Yes, Jamie, I know yes, this is something you're yes. super passionate about. Yes. Why is it important to have diversity of thought or even diverse people on an interview panel? Why is that oh so gosh, important? So important. I think we talked about the stats earlier, but imagine that you know the interview is a candidate or an applicant's first experience to interact with the company. 
And if I come in and the people I see them interviewing with, which has happened before, are mostly people who don't look like me, I may immediately feel like, do I really belong here? And when you think about DEI, DEI work, a lot of what we're doing core essentially is con- building connections with people. I feel like if you if you come into an interview space and you're not, and the company's not focusing on that, that for me is a clear indicator. Mm, are they really are they really focused on this? And even if you're a company who's trying to get better at that, right? Because not everyone's perfect. You know, do you have an ERG, employee resource group, that you can say, hey, as part of our interview process, we want you to do a, a coffee chat with this team because, you know, they're really trying to, you know, exemplify diversity across the org. There's different ways to do it, even if you don't have extreme diversity on your team. But it's definitely something that I would be looking for or Canada would be looking for if, if they're looking anywhere for a new job. Last three years, we've seen people in DE&I roles heavily impacted by reduction in force, layoffs, furloughs, insert anything that says disrupt somebody's livelihood. What are you hearing in the space around that? Like, is that people first in your opinion to like be cutting so many roles? Great question. Isn't that funny though? You know, all the companies in 2020 are like, this is important to us. Wave the flag. Come on in, head of DEI. And then literally a year or two is like, actually... This wasn't really important to us. I think the number is like 33% of folks who have recently been laid off have been DEI professionals, which to me is astounding. I have many friends in the community who have been impacted. So I think what it says to me is that you weren't really ever invested, right? You're engaging what we would call diversity theater, meaning that it's more important to talk than to actually walk the walk. So I think that's something I've been seeing from various companies, but you know, places like greenhouse companies like us who are people first, we have to actually exemplify that in our business practices. So even when it comes to, unfortunately, having to do reductions, et cetera, are you still prioritizing that team or that function or that work we're doing? This is kind of where you put, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as I would say. So I've been seeing different reactions overall, but just grateful for greenhouse and our commitment as is unwavering. Kanisha, how about you? What are your thoughts on seeing so many folks DEI professionals laid off over the last three years? I just find it unfortunate, right? What I equated to is the George Floyd effect, right? Mm, It was a quick response to an uprising that many of the leaders just didn't believe in, right? It was to placate their employee base. Mm. But the employees know it. What's interesting is that I kind of got brought in when other companies were bringing people out to um, advance even further DEI at Sound Exchange, right? So that made me even more confident in my company that they truly value um, inclusion. But as far as um, many other companies, what I think they failed at is equating inclusion and belonging to their bottom line, right? At the mm. end of the day, we know that companies want to see that bottom line in black. They don't want to see it in red, okay? But I don't think that they took the effort to demonstrate how inclusion does impact that, Mm. right? I don't know that they took the effort to see, you know, if certain underrepresented hires made an impact on their companies, whether it be from a perspective of improving the culture, whether it be from a perspective of showing them a better or new way to do things, whether it be from the perspective of making referrals of other people they know to come in, right? There are ways to quantify the impact of each employee, but the company has to be willing to take the time and provide the resources to do that. Kanisha is calling Mm. out every Mm. leader Mm. who is not willing to put in real effort. And I'm so glad that you talked about 
the impact that it has on the bottom line. Because so often people believe that inclusion and diversity uh, and equity and even allyship, they often believe that that thing is just altruistic, and that it's a, it's a nice to have. But the proof is in the pudding. McKinsey and Company came out. It's an article in Fast Company. Um, but McKinsey did the research. And it showed that 38% is how companies that are more diverse outperform their counterparts that are not diverse. So this has less to do with making sure that you have little brown, yellow, white, and black faces for your website wall. Say it again. What's most important is that these people are able to unlock amazing creativity, innovation, and ultimately revenues for your business. And if you need assistance in trying to figure out how do you put in said effort, I think you should call Kanisha Barty and Jamie Adasi. They are here to help you. This is a judgment-free zone. This yes, is a safe absolutely. space. That's true. There's folks that will listen to this, Jamie, and they'll say, okay, I get it. My company has not been able to uh, live up to a people-first mentality like sound exchange. We did push people out when we should have been bringing them in. People will also say, oh, okay, we'll want to be like Greenhouse and focus on inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship. But like, where do I start? What's the one yeah. leave behind that you would give people to say, hey, this is where you can start. The folks that are listening and they're like, I want to do the effort that Kanisha is talking about, but I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Where would you tell them to start? Mm-mm-mm. First and foremost, you know, it, irrespective of where you lie within the organization, um, to me, we all have leadership qualities within us. And so this is going to sound a little bit weird, but like, I think you have to come in by humbling ourselves first, humble ourselves. What does that mean? Kind of, you know, there's things that you do not know when it comes into, when it comes to the diversity space. That's fine. Can you find a mentor, a colleague, an ally, a friend who can give you a little bit of education? Can you find um, that person inside the org who also wants to champion diversity with you so you're not alone with it? You know, you don't have to always wait for leaders to start. I think people always think it has to come top down. It does not. At Greenhouse, a lot of stuff, yes, came from top down, but also from our employee base as well, saying this is critical to our business success. And so I would say, Humble yourself, really be open to feedback, be open to different and new strategies, which I think happens when you're open to diversity backgrounds, thoughts, experiences, et cetera. And at the end of the day, to Donald's point, if you're not about the business good, which is there's a lot of business good here, you know, you can be about the moral good. How are we advancing society? How are we creating social impact with what we're doing here? How are we advancing into new markets that maybe we weren't able to get into before because we had that representation? There's so many areas and places you can start when it comes to DE&I, but one, just humble ourselves, be okay not knowing everything. You don't have to be an expert right away uh, and be open to learning along the way. I think it's critical. I like that. Kanisha, what you got? I would say that where you start is recognizing that DEI is not a separate Mm, initiative, right? It is the red thread that runs through everything that you're doing as a company. So I think people get overwhelmed when they see DEI as something separate, another thing they have to do. Mm. When they see it as something else to add, another checkbox, because that's how some people look at it. And so we have to put ourselves in their seat as much as we can and try to understand how do I help them get through this, right? So me as as a people and culture leader, I have to think about my CEO and my staff member, right? I have to think about my COO, and the director, right? Yeah. What vantage point are they coming from? And how can I put myself in their shoes for them to accept 
inclusion, for them to accept allyship and diversity and then help them see that it's not this big, ominous thing hanging over their head. It's something they do every minute of every day consciously. Right. And so if they think about it from that perspective and it's not some big separate initiative, then they can start to integrate that. Totally agree. You got to consider the folks that you're looking to influence. And when you do so, you can reverse engineer the best way for them to be influenced. I love the idea of being able to recognize, but we should start with humility. For all the listeners that are wondering, inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship, all of those letters come before P for profit. They come before R for revenue. For those who want to see your shares or your stock come up, that's the letter S, which also comes after idea. When you start with idea, those things around profitability, revenue, all those things will occur if you're starting in the right place. So this has been amazing. Everybody wants to know, Jamie, what's on the horizon? You're clearly yes. at the helm of idea. I've been at the organization north of 400 days. Super excited. All right. I have seen her launch the Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Allyship team. I have seen her uh, start Arbors. We even have an Arbor for people with disabilities. Shout outs to our friends and family in Trellis. Yes. So what's next? Y'all are doing everything. We are doing everything. One thing I'm really excited about that we're working on right now is really sharing what I'm calling our green print, which I know you you use. I know you like that. I know you use it probably too. (laughs) Say that again. (laughs) But really sharing our green print. We've won a lot of awards for Blessed Place to Work for women, for caretakers and parents, um, technology, um, millennials, et cetera. And I think one of the things we need to do is really share back our wins, but also our strategies with others. I feel like, especially in the diversity space, Sometimes people can feel like this is my thing over here in the corner. I'm like, no, no, no. We need to share. <laughs> spread this out. Spread it across. And so I'm really, really, really excited about the year in review report that we have coming very soon for mm. folks. It's going to be hefty. So get ready to read. But it's going to have a lot of the keys to how we built our success at Greenhouse and, you know, really easy, scalable, practical, practical ways that people can start immediately. And one thing I want to say, too, is that it's never too late to begin. So even if you feel like my company's just starting to talk about it in 2023, this is crazy. That's fine. Like you can still begin. I'm super excited. I got to give a shout out to Jamie. I try to give people their flowers while they can smell them. I'm going to also give a shout out to Ariana Moon. Yes. So yes. Ariana leads our talent planning and acquisition function. And her and Jamie collaborate a lot on workforce diversity goals. Yes. yes. And something they told us for all those folks that are listening, Greenhouse itself has also been on a journey. So if you look at where we were three years ago and where we are today, we're in a very different place. Absolutely. 60% of all the people that work at Greenhouse have been sourced, including the gentleman speaking to you right, right now. Here. Right here. Sourcing automation. If yes. you want to figure out how you hire diverse people, we got you because yes. that's how they found yes. me. And so for those folks that are wondering around diversity, yes, diversity is the right thing to do. It's also very profitable. And your business will grow when you have diverse voices there. So I'm super excited about your initiatives, Jamie. Kanisha, I know y'all are just getting started over there at Sound Exchange. So what initiatives do you have on the horizon? So right now we are reinvigorating our DEI committee. Um, Sound Exchange has a little over 200 employees. So we are making sure that all employees feel included and welcome with over Uh, 40 new employees in just the past 12 months. 
uh, we want to make sure their voices are heard. So we are opening a call up for new members to our DEI committee that will not only serve internally, but also in our community. We're very dedicated um, to the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, um, given our public policy and advocacy background. So we want to make sure that we're giving back to that community. And we do that um, through a program called Impact Amplified. And so wanting to make sure that we increase the volunteer hours as well of our internal staff. And then as you all have, I'm sure, heard the waves that AI is making in the industry, you know, our company overall is very focused on how we can ensure that our creators are continued to be treated fairly um, from an AI perspective, right? Um, what does that mean for their royalties, right? There's many nuances involved in music, tech, and AI, and we're hyper-focused on making sure that our creators continue to um, be paid fairly as a result. That's amazing. Impact Amplified. I like the fact that you are encouraging folks at your organization to get out in the communities in which you serve to also provide value there. That's amazing. A lot of companies have also cut that over the last three years. So that volunteerism is super important. Ladies, I just want to say thank you. It's not every day I get to sit down and have these types of conversations for other folks to be able to glean insight from. So on behalf of everybody at Greenhouse, Jamie Adasi and Kanisha Barty, I want to say thank you for your presence. I also want to say thank you for dropping so many nuggets for our listeners to be able to practice and everything that they do. I think more importantly, I just want to celebrate you as just two amazing leaders, women leaders, women of color leaders. There's a reason I asked for you to be here, and I'm very much humbled that you all answered the call. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. Thank you so much, Kanisha and Jamie, for joining me, and thank you to all of our listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen, And if you really like what you heard, give the show a follow and share it with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network. Our producer is Brittany Martinez. Our supporting producer is Sarah Schleed. And our production assistant is Lila Watts. Our greenhouse producer is Marnie Williams. Until next time. And remember, keep putting people first.